When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates and ready to go. OutKick 360 is underway from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Week one, well, one game remains with Seattle hosting Denver craziness yesterday we're going to recap it all plus upsets in week two across college football here for the next three hours glad you're with us gentlemen good afternoon monday after week one what a weekend of hat banging boys uh, on saturday and sunday and uh, a big hat was banged in lincoln nebraska on <laughs> sunday morning and saturday night uh, it was quite the weekend tied for the super bowl era in most week one six point or less games on sunday so we got, Paul, exactly what you want in a lot of these games. Close, tight, tension-packed games late. And Saturday upsets. Uh, yes. I was a big fan of uh, the Saturday upsets. Uh, particularly took joy, sorry, Angie, in the Nebraska loss uh, because I flipped over to that with, uh, with everything over in my world. I wasn't staying up for anything beyond that. And watched it, and it felt like uh, you know, a favorite taking it to, to an underdog. Um, and it was a fun, a fun game to watch. But that was my kind of Saturday, and I was glad not to be traveling. Sunday sucked for me because I didn't get to see much of it with the 325 start for the Titans. Um, but I didn't get to be disappointed by Sunday night football being a dud either. So I'm hoping tonight's a good one, and that will cap a, a good weekend of football. Well, there's so many different directions we can go. I'm going to let Hutton direct <laughs> us into where we start. But let me say this about Saturday. Marshall, Appalachian State, Georgia Southern for one day. One those, I, I talked big. about this in our Fox News Minute. Felt like March Madness in college football season. Like that was with everything going the direction of NIL, gigantic television contracts, and this separation of powers from Power Five to Group of Five. What a refreshing throwback to have what felt like the first Thursday or Friday of the NCAA tournament on a Saturday in September in college football. Now, if you are like Colin, our radio producer here, who's a big Notre Dame fan, if you are a fan of one of those schools, it is pure agony watching your team lose in in that type of fashion to a team of that ilk with those teams they lost to. But for the rest of America, you sit and marvel at the little guy getting it done on the road. Well, I'll say this. I've been told I'm not allowed to expect returns on A&M's great recruiting but I've listened to it for two years about how great A&M is and here they come and everything and uh, so I'm not gonna sit and wait I mean they they should even if those recruiting classes aren't good win on Saturday and so I'm done being quiet about A&M I don't buy the hype about A&M I'm sick of listening to it I know they had a tremendous upset yesterday but this weekend they get upset in something that's comparable to the upset that they pulled Last year, shut up at A&M. Kentucky backed up the talk, 
and, and got the win that they needed. A&M wasn't even in one of those games and lost. I'm sick of hearing about A&M. The, the team that played better won that game. App State. I mean, uh, Haynes King threw for 97 yards in that game. It's ridiculous. Uh, against Appalachian State's defense that gave up a ton of points the, the week prior. So here, here's the discrepancy in the game. Run plays. 52. You can guess who the 52 is here. And to, to 18. They have A-Chain in the backfield, um, who's their game breaker. 18 carries total for, uh, for A&M. Time of possession, 41-29. To 1831. Total plays 82 to 38. I mean, that is just turnovers. 44 shellacking. more plays. Let's just take a second yeah. to say 44 more plays were run by App State as opposed to Texas AM in that game. Is your family home in Boone okay? <laughs> <laughs> they only vacation there. They may come back the on their next vacation to a torched house, a yeah. vacation home. Yeah, check in with the neighbors. Uh, turnovers, two nothing. A and M won that category. Total yards, Appalachian State three fifteen to Texas A and M's one hundred eighty six. Now here's where it gets interesting. It's not that they lost the game to Appalachian State. I'm going back to a conversation. I had with Billy Lucci from TexAgs.com back at SEC Media Days. Take a glance at AM's schedule now because Miami is up next, followed by this stretch run where it was really going to define their schedule, at least on paper as we started the season. This could be an example. Could be an example. And again, at this time last year, no one saw Dan Mullen coming. We could begin to see a free fall here as they host Miami. They host Arkansas, and then they're on the road at Mississippi State. This is a three-game stretch after a loss to Appalachian State where I say uh, pay more attention to A&M, not less, because things can get really interesting for a coach that's getting paid a ton of money. They just paid Appalachian State a million and a half to show up. We got into the payments uh, last week there. Um, and yeah, Double uh, losses on all three well, of these and, upsets. And uh, the guys known for developing quarterbacks – does that ring a bell? Yes, Dan Mullen. And he's not doing it now. He's, he's gone with Hanks King in back-to-back years. Last year, you can point to the injuries. Right now, it's just not good. And, and that is what they've been lacking. They, they've had great recruiting classes. They have not developed their next quarterback. I don't think there's any way, though, that they would part ways with, with Jimbo Fisher because the investment, to me, is so much more severe from A&M as opposed to Florida with Dan Mullen. Uh, the investment in everything – the recruiting aspect of this and the class that he has on campus right now. Now, the one thing that could pull it apart is this highly ballyhooed freshman class decides to all split after one season or late in the year because they don't like the direction of the way things are headed yeah. if they continue down this path. The biggest question mark to me with, with Jimbo Fisher, and I've said it consistently, I don't know what the hell they're doing on offense. How can a guy who is known as a quarterback's coach starting out not figure out the quarterback position in his time at Texas A&M? Haynes King looks very pedestrian. Zach Calzada, at, outside of one Saturday against Bama in the second half, looks, looked very pedestrian. And he can't even win the job at Auburn when he goes there. I, I don't know what is going on at the quarterback position. Now, I do think that A&M's defense is stout enough that they're not going to completely crater they're going to win some low-scoring games. But if they don't figure offense out, what we saw happen the way they got dominated on Saturday against the Mountaineers, that's only going to continue. 
they could start the season one and three. They've got Alabama after that three-game stretch I just pointed to. And uh, Arkansas continues to win. We saw what they did to South Carolina this weekend. It's conceivable on paper after seeing what we've seen from A&M the first two weeks that they may not win again until South Carolina. Now, they also uh, we were also singing this tune last year whenever we went to College Station and they were hosting Alabama and said, what are we doing here? And I, I said the Texas game against Bama this weekend had that same type of vibe. That was quite the atmosphere at, uh, down in Austin uh, this weekend. Here, here's the thing about Appalachian State, though, that they do not get enough credit for. They always play games tough, even if they're not winning these games. Recent history against the Power Five. Just a week ago, uh, they trade body blows with North Carolina, 63-61, the final. They lose, but again. Very different style amazing. game this week. 2021, a, a late field goal saved them against Miami. Um, and Miami won that game 25-23. 2019, they won on the road at North Carolina and South Carolina. 2018, they took Penn State to overtime. 2017, lost to Wake Forest by just one point. Um, you can add in another overtime loss to Tennessee in 2016. I was, I was I at that game in 2016 on a Thursday night to open the season. So o- overtime. In, in eight of their last 10 games against the Power Five, they have been tied or ahead in the fourth quarter. And makes for terrific some of these viewing. teams will even schedule them in Boone, which is crazy. Well, it makes me think, you know, if uh, the Big 12 or ACC or someone's got to expand. Yeah. If you're looking for a football program that could actually compete in your conference, it's probably Appalachian State of the four that were just snatched up between Houston, UCF, uh, Cincinnati, and BYU that are moving to the Big 12. App State's probably the next program, right, that's right behind them in terms of maybe there's a move in future conference expansion stepping up to a Power 5 for Appalachian State. Regardless, though, Appalachian State's a great story. The story, though, is Texas A&M continuing to be hyped because of the talent in that program, because of a head coach who has won a national championship, and continuing to falter. And I don't care. The win against Alabama is a big part of the story last year. That was a disappointing season. If they lose four games this year and they beat Alabama in one of those games, it's still a disappointing season for Texas A&M. Yes. So I – and I'm looking at the schedule now, Hutton, you just ran through it. I don't know how they're avoiding at least four losses with that schedule with the quarterback they currently have in place. Miami, Arkansas, Mississippi State, Alabama, South Carolina are their next five. That is trouble. Uh, here's Jimbo Fisher following the loss and, and discussing what happened this past weekend. Right now is the time to come together. Right now is the time to go back to fundamentals, believe in each other. There's a lot of football left. There's a lot of seasons have been together, and you, just because you lost one game, don't you got to put it behind you. Can't let one become two, and you lock into what you have. You go back to your fundamentals. You trust in each other. You, you circle the wagons about how you work, how you practice, and every detail matters. And you know, hopefully, that we can understand that, and we make sure we do a better job coaching. Then we go play the rest of the season and have a really good season. That's what we got. That's what we got to do right now. He also went on to discuss his play calling duties. He said, if you would consider giving those up, he said, at times I would, I possibly could. We evaluate everything we do. Um, that was him, and he went, his ego is not going to get out of the way of doing what's right for the team. This is that, similar, that's the correct answer. Similar to a message that we heard last year, and they did perform better as the season progressed. What they're lacking right now, though, is, and I don't know why they couldn't find more consistency with A Chain. But they didn't have, they severely lacked Isaiah Spiller in this game. Week two, a year ago, they barely 
came away with a victory against Colorado. So, and it was Isaiah Spiller who bailed them out of poor quarterback play in that game. So, they they need their run game to control the line of scrimmage and, and control the clock because otherwise they're not going to stand a chance with the kind of quarterback play they're getting. Well, the only other hope is that they put Max Johnson in as starter and he just takes off. You know, that it's just all... Like a Hendon it, Hooker it, it's a, version. It's a big Haynes King problem and yeah. not an offensive structure problem. I feel like it's an offensive... I feel like it's both right now. Offensive structure yeah. and quarterback. But they need some juice badly on offense. I don't know how you don't go to Max Johnson, who put up some good numbers a year ago at LSU and can throw the football. So I, I would... I, I don't think there's any decision to be... I think it's time to go to Johnson at quarterback and just see if it revives the offense. Let's hop to another team that's done on, the, on the other side. I've Let's got a transition it. for you. Cowboys are done. Cowboys lose that game Sunday night, score three points, lose their quarterback. It sounds like five weeks. Cowboys, next five weeks. Bengals. I, I keep going because I think it's more like eight. Okay. Yeah. Well, they, they, uh, yes. they host the Bengals. They're at the Giants. They host the Commanders. They host the Rams. Uh, they're at the Eagles. Um, so right there, I mean, I think they're losing to, to, uh, to the Bengals who are going to come out of this five turnover fiasco and play much better. Uh, you know, they're two teams coming off bad losses. Who you betting on, on that one. I'm betting on the team that went to the Super Bowl last year. Um, giants, you know, that's a wash to me. Commanders, that's a wash to me. Rams, they're not going to win. Eagles, they're not going to win. I think they start off with those three losses plus yesterday. They're down four games. Uh, I'm taking them out of the wild card picture. So this is where I expected to hear a ton about Jimmy Garoppolo, an example of this injury. And the issue the Cowboys now have is, if you're San Francisco, you can't trade Jimmy G based of of the way Trey Lance played yesterday. No, and you're no. giving and you you'd be giving him. a fellow wild card competitor. Yeah, but their it's solution. also a quarterback that they didn't want that they now somehow kept. Right, like the whole offseason storyline was reliant on an injury like this, regardless of team. It was about need and what you're willing to. And if Lance was great yesterday, now, it'd be one thing. Yeah, and and now I don't know how you trade Garoppolo. Given the fact that Lance is uh, he's a work in progress, and that's that's putting it mildly, I think, based on what we saw in, in the condi- conditions are not great in Chicago, but Justin Fields was far more dynamic than than San Francisco. And did you see Peter King this morning had uh, a section of his column where he said that I think it was Lynch and Shanahan. We're having a pep talk to the whole team. Went to about six or seven leaders and said, when this whole thing happened, we know your buddies with Garoppolo and you've been with them a long time. We need you in Lance's corner. Things are going to go badly at times. It's not going to be perfect. And we need you to stand with Lance. Now, I I wouldn't want that out for sure. I can understand doing it. It was Jay Glazer, by the way, who had that on Fox, who said that he spoke with John Lynch and on their pregame show said that there was basically a meeting of kumbaya of guys. We got to make sure we're behind Trey. We know it's going to be rough at times, but we got to be behind Trey in this. Don't separate and start going with, well, maybe we should start Jimmy again because we won with him. I'd Just keep that stay air together. tight. I'd keep that air tight. I mean, yes. I, I think it's the kind of thing you would presume is happening behind, behind the scenes. But it's one thing to let well, people presume it. It's another thing to put it out there. But this is why you trade or release Garoppolo. 
And if you keep him around, it's inevitable. It's going to. It's going to happen. If he plays so, like this, that's for damn sure. But 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 a young quarterback's going to have a lot of trials and waves to a season, regardless of how good he is. Literal right? waves like, in that game yesterday in those oh conditions. My, yeah. Uh, but the point being, like, this was the reason why you move on, why you don't have him around the facility, why you have Lance leading all the meetings, why you have Garoppolo out on the field while you're holding meetings during training camp, and then they swap spots. You know, it's just that's why you went through all this. And now you have to go to your leadership and say, um, uh, "Can can we keep this quiet? Can you not can you not clamor for the guy who actually won games here?" It's not a great it's time. Awkward. It's awkward. Well, and also, you know, he he had 13 carries for 54 yards. I thought maybe even if in a sloppy, sloppy conditions in Chicago, and it was rough, that you know the passing game with him is not going to be all there in this game. Well, maybe Trey Lance's legs will be the difference. It really wasn't, and he had the just horrific decision to eyeball Jawan Jennings the entire time with that game-deciding pick that he threw late in the game. It, it was a bad performance from Trey Lance. And going back to your original point, Paul, Cowboys certainly seem dead, right? We don't want to make the mistake of ruling anyone dead after one week and overreacting to week one of the NFL, but when you lose Dak Prescott, who is your franchise, for six to eight weeks with a hand injury in week one, and they have that schedule coming up, it feels like the Cowboys are dead this season. Hey, and bravo, though, to Jerry Jones, who can stand in front of uh, his throng post-game and say, his thumb's messed up, he's going to need surgery, it's going to be five to whatever weeks. I mean, uh, Dallas exists today, Arlington or Irving, wherever the Sun hell they came are. up. Yeah. I, it didn't have to be a I huge secret. I thought about secret. the same thing. You know? What's, Immediately. Yeah. Just told you. He's always been a pretty upfront guy, I feel like. That's one thing about him is when he's talking bomb? to the media and there's a mic around, he's going to give you an honest assessment of things. But, I mean, the Cowboys aren't the best organization in, in the NFL, but also the world didn't explode. We've got a, a ton to react to across college football, but when we come back, we'll dive back into the NFL. More injuries, results from week one with some surprising teams already 0-1 on the season. A lot more coming. Outkick 360 rolls on. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. I thought multiple players stood out 
from the NFL weekend, but two in particular truly put on a show in a, I felt like a statement performance. Outkick 360 rolls on, the first being Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, and I get it. They're playing New York and the Jets. But the that dude counts. just turned down $133 million guaranteed days prior. And he goes out and shows you why he's the MVP of that team and why he's a former MVP of the league. And A.J. Brown, number one, difference maker for Philadelphia, who continued to roll on the ground in Detroit. And the, the final score was close. The game was not close for the majority of that, that matchup in Detroit due to A.J. Brown. He contributed big grabs on all four of the big offensive scoring possessions for the Eagles. The fifth touchdown I'm not referring to was defensively. Point being, both guys had something to prove in different ways. One got the contract because he demanded it via trade. The other one refused uh, 133, uh, second only in guaranteed money to Deshaun Watson. And he turned it down because he believes he's better than Deshaun Watson. That was eye-opening for me. Both excellent. I'll, I'll add another. Uh, Justin Jefferson said, yeah, I am not the best receiver in the league yet, but I will be after this season. I don't remember if he was deferring to Cooper Cup or to Stephon Diggs, but, and he's talked about a 2,000-yard receiving season. Nine catches for 184 and two touchdowns. We've all talked about the Vikings turning into more of a passing team and what he could do as the centerpiece of that. He was terrific. And that was a hell of an easy prop uh, over half a touchdown for plus money. That was uh, free money. He was terrific. He accounted for over 91% of the Vikings air yards in the first half. (laughs) (laughs) Crazy thing about that. That's that's a a nutso stat. Crazy thing about the, uh, the Philly game, Devontae Smith, no catches. In the yeah. game. They're it was all A.J. Brown. Get into some proportion. They're, it's amazing A.J. Brown didn't find they're the They're going to balance it out. Let me give you another one uh, in terms of a lot of talk about just how putrid a team was and coming out and getting it done is Brian Dayball, mm-hmm. uh, who maybe he was underselling his Barkley. team the entire time, talking no, about he, they're not in shape. And Barkley. You know, there's uh, the, obviously there were injuries going into that game, but they came into Nashville and beat the defending number one overall seed in the AFC in game number one, and Saquon Barkley was the difference and he said, in that game. He said, Dayball said, I put them in a lot of tough situations that they couldn't get out of that were hard to put their backs against the wall, all of that, for a situation like this. And they really took over that game in the second half. And Barkley looked terrific. I mean, he hasn't been healthy in a long time. He was healthy as could be yesterday. And for a team that prides itself on run defense, I asked Mike Vrabel that today. How many times has your number one point of emphasis failed to show up? He got a smile and said, you could ask, you know, stretch my right hand, man. I'm sure it's happened, but I don't think it's happened very often to them where, you know, they've lost plenty of games, yeah. but usually it's not because it's they failed unexpected. to execute on the number one thing. And they're equipped to play good run defense, but they did not yesterday. They, it's only the fourth time in the Titans history, which spans their move here. Um, that they have allowed with 238 total yards, I believe, right? It was 238 or yeah. 234. Only the fourth time that they have allowed that many rushing yards on any Titans defense. And Jeffrey Simmons talked about it. He said, you know, 
300. It felt like 300 him. He was talking about it like they gave up 300 yards. That's what it felt like to him. I'm sure Titans fans watching the game, it felt like 400 watching the second <laughs> half. It's 13 nothing at halftime, and the Giants look like the Giants that everyone expected. And that game just switched in. Whoop! First, hey, Titans get the ball, three and out. Give it to them. Run it right down their throat, touchdown, and it was a ball game. Stuff like From that, that happens. On, That's it, why it switched quick. It Titans, changed quickly when they settled for two field goals in the first half. Have to get more than that. You know, they could have been up twenty-one nothing or at least seventeen nothing, and they they only got two field goals. And Dontrell Hilliard was their their star in terms of getting into the end zone yesterday. Very pedestrian day for Derrick Henry when Saquon Barkley was was going crazy. Very I, impressive. I know we have a ton of notes to get to, but one other thing on the flip side of that, Hutton, you brought up guys that there was a lot talked about, a lot to prove in this game that did it. A group that a lot has been talked about and did not show up and prove it, Packers receivers. <laughs> First, First play of the game, game Christian Watson right is open, there. and Aaron Rodgers puts it in his lap in stride. Touchdown. And he, Should have been. And he drops it. And look, it's it's one game. They lost by multiple scores. I get all that. But it feels like the game would have been a lot different had they completed that and it been 7-7. Well, if that, that season, point. Chad, doesn't pan out the way everyone expects, that play will be the symbol of, of the start of it. Well, they got crushed in week one last year, yeah. too. And that that's a good tie-in with the Titans. It's the same same storyline. Um, but but keep in mind, like if for everyone mentioning that, both of these franchises have nothing to show for their good play in the regular season recently. Yeah. And so, the Titans yeah, they can, last year... They can point year, to great regular seasons, but you're not remembered for that. Titans last year, we said, oh, they can't rebound and go to, to Seattle and win. And they did. Seattle wasn't as good as we thought last year. Buffalo, the Titans have handled recently. But Buffalo's better than they've been. The Titans aren't as good as they've been. Super challenge Monday night in Buffalo for the Titans to not be 0-2. So the um, the, the rest of the, the league, I mean, the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes. I think Mahomes also enters the season with a chip on the shoulder because of how much time he's devoted to playing in these preseason games and trying to make things work without uh, Hill in the lineup now. Of course, he's in Miami. A nice win for the Dolphins over New England, which we'll get to. But the Chiefs had 66 offensive plays yesterday, 33 first downs. That is efficiency. Travis Kelsey still looks like the best tight end in the game. And they put it on the Cardinals, and the Cardinals' defense looked pedestrian uh, against Mahomes and company. Mahomes was blitzed on over half of his dropbacks, and that's the first time in his career he's faced a stat like that. He threw for a career-high four touchdown passes against the Blitz. Did you see? He was was ranked. I don't have it in front of me. I think he was like the seventh or the ninth-ranked quarterback by PFF, which PFF just getting shredded today for uh, what kind of metric, what, what kind of thing that we don't see could have possibly not had him top three. I, I, I watched that game, though, and it's great for Mahomes and stepping up with everyone without Tyreek Hill and the, 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 uh, the three-pack of guys that they brought in look great, and I just can't help but think that Cliff Kingsbury is going to get fired this year when I watch that Cardinals not team good. play. Um, not good at all. And Kyler Murray, not good. In stretches of that game. And I, guys, I can't figure out. We've talked a lot about the playoff game plan and performance in that. But Kyler Murray looks so confused at times. And I, he leads the league 
in arguing with an official that a receiver was in the area of a clear intentional grounding. <laughs> that, that honestly, that. That, that, is, that is Kyler Murray's biggest skill is he will throw it when he's got four guys in his face. Stand up. And he immediately is like, no, no, I got a running back over there. It's on that hash over there. It was four yards away from him. I know exactly where I was throwing that ball away. He is great at petitioning with the officials about not throwing an intentional grounding flag. I don't know if that's to blame for, for him, for the offense, for the prote- – it could be a little bit of everything. It's symbolic. But I can't help but that's watch them sure. and think Cliff Kingsbury is not going to be around at the end of the season. I feel the same way about Frank Reich. In fact, I, I tweeted out uh, watching, <laughs> that was a great tweet. watching the Colts uh, and the Colts somehow fight back to earn a, a tie in this game with Houston. Um, but I, tweet. I, I tweet out and say, whenever Frank Reich is fired later this year during the season, will Jim Irsay fire him uh, in a song via acoustic or electric guitar? <laughs> that's, all, that's all that's left for debate here. Um, they looked like a team that hadn't practiced. And they had no business getting back in it. And, I mean, credit to them for doing that. Uh, kicking issues across the league. We certainly saw them yesterday in that game with Rodrigo Blankenship. But going, going into Houston on the road, knowing the stat line, which is what, eight straight week ones that they've lost. And, oh, no way they go to Houston and lose. This is a team that's you know, fighting for a quarterback next year. Well, the better quarterback was on the Houston sideline with Davis Mills. And while Lovey Smith played for over played for a tie in overtime, I think they come away thinking Davis Mills is truly someone to build around if they didn't know it already. I know the previous coaching staff did. Um, and guys, I, I, I look at Indy and I think, they Same look thing. very similar to the Same team we thing. saw last year. The standings immediately in disarray in the AFC South with the tie. Yeah. And um, from what I saw, I only saw a little bit and read about that game, offensive line for, for the Colts was poor. Quentin Nelson just signed the, the last monster deal before the unofficial deadline of not talking about deals in, into the regular season. Um, Matt Pryor's the left tackle there who I consistently have asked questions about where everybody just said, they, they have a great offensive line, and nobody ever asks a question about this guy. But, uh, I mean, if you're not protect, I, I'm sure that Houston has some good pass rushers, but that's not a star-studded uh, front, front there in, in Houston. And I, I just think the Colts have gotten a, an incredible pass on their offensive line. I think they have a lot of the same issues that the Titans have, but magnified. And everybody's just ignored them. Uh, Michael well, Pittman they're going to have the scapegoat uh, today of Rodrigo Blankenship yeah. more than likely because Frank Reich was Pittman dropped one in the end zone, not, right? Not not committal, non-committal on whether or not he was going to be around. Yeah, but uh, Pittman overall, I mean, the, the difference the between guy. the Colts and the Titans, the Colts have a solid running back and a true number one. I don't know and if he's a true number one. He's slow. watch him yesterday, Paul. He goes you and gets it. I'll give him that. Like he he was a difference maker in getting them back in the game. They trailed twenty to six or twenty to three in the fourth quarter. And they end up with a tie and should have won that game. Had no business doing it. Um, they, it, I, I felt the same way watching Cincinnati. Had no business being in that game, turning it over as much as they did. It wasn't and, Pittman that dropped one. It was Alex Pierce okay. that dropped one early. But I like Pittman, and I think he's more well, of the number one that the Titans have. But I don't know. He's not a number one on the level of number ones around the league. Oh, but people would say that about AJ Brown, and I think they're built the oh, same way, Brown's and they're very physical. Both of them are very physical wide receivers. That point being, they have someone they can go to. 
You know, if you're down, you've got someone in multiple areas on the field you can go to. This team in Nashville, it's it's Henry and then what? You and the it's, what is blank right yeah, now? Yeah, it's uh, Henry and Kyle Phillips after one week. I mean, it was uh, terrific, but I I thought he had a concussion. I wouldn't be surprised if he's on the injury report I, I Wednesday just, with a concussion. I, I I watched that, but to Hutton's point, I mean, at least the Colts have Michael Pittman. I, where's Robert Woods? Didn't separate. Where's, where's Traylon Burks? one catch early, didn't separate. Burks had a couple catches, but they're not featuring anyone. Burks is um, on the sideline. While you have Nick Westbrook-Akine and, and Woods and, and Phillips on the field in that final drive. Yeah. He's getting the Julio Jones treatment. I mean, Phillips was good, but Phillips has a, a very defined role. He's a slot guy. He's not, I mean, he's not going to be well, a number one His defined role candidate. includes more action in the offense than the top rookie pick which is unfortunate yeah. to this point. No, but that's on Burks. That's not on Phillips. Um, and I, I'm, not, I'm not glorifying the Colts here. I am going to pump the brakes a little bit on burying anyone today. Oh, absolutely. Because absolutely. I, I've, I've warned everyone about the, the peril of week one where bad teams find a way to win because of the offseason noise and, and on both sides and the way they can, they can game plan. A bad head coach can find a game plan over three months when the schedule's announced. Uh, to actually figure out a way to go on the road and and win a game. But some week one losses are worse than oh, others. Yes. And I mean, I think you look at you mentioned two teams that have have had good regular seasons and it hasn't translated. Green Bay's got to catch the ball for Aaron Rodgers. That's yeah, terrible. I, I think the Titans, uh, you know, with Derrick Henry can't they had some drops and too. a good run defense can't get slashed by Saquon Barkley. And do not and just turn it off at halftime with a thirteen nothing lead. Those are bad regular yeah, season losses by teams not, that were better than their. We're opponent. not arguing it's a season defining thing or anything like that. We're not going to get fooled by that. But There's the two worst teams that lost on Sunday were the Chicago Bears or sorry that won on Sunday. The Chicago Bears and the New York Giants. Yeah. Watching the league, if you ask me to say, okay, this team could do something, this team could do something. Those two I'm teams. still saying those two teams are not good. Because the Giants don't have a very good quarterback, and most teams are going to be able to key in on Saquon Barkley and at least limit him to some extent. They have no receivers a- around him. The Bears are the Bears. We've talked ad nauseum about their deficiencies on that roster. Those are two really bad losses. The 49ers and Titans, where you just cannot let that happen. And you're going to be in tight division races. That's, that's going to cost you. Now you need the Rams – and, and the, the Colts at least got a tie. It's only half a win. Yeah, but, but that, you need that your competition def- to, to, to lose it. That can decide the – like the, we had six division matchups yesterday. Uh, one of them I, where I feel like it is more than just 1-0 and 0-1, and 0 and Chargers and Raiders. Yep, that's a good you know, one. That, that one is going to factor in over the course of this season with as good as we anticipate this division being – uh, Herbert targeted 11 different receivers against the Vegas defense. No player had more than four targets. Uh, they spread it around. And, you know, it, that's probably different if they have Allen not getting hurt. And that will play a factor down the stretch. But the difference in the Chargers, and Paul pointed this out in his predictions, is their defense. Khalil Mack, three sacks, all in big moments for the game. In watching the, the highlights of this, difference-making plays. He also had four quarterback hits and a forced fumble. Uh, Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, they combined for 16 quarterback pressures, four and a half sacks, two turnovers. That you're winning ball games in tight, tight quarters on the scoreboard uh, with those two dudes. And LA, um, they intercepted Carr in this game three times. So 
they came out and, and won a tough, hard-fought divisional matchup uh, against an opponent that should be in the thick of it throughout. And injuries always play a factor. We look on this on a plane of uh, injuries are even and, and rosters are even. That will work itself out throughout the season. For instance, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh gets a division win. They lose T.J. Watt in the process with a torn pack. He's getting a second opinion, but I think it's all but all but done that he's he's out. He I, diagnosed it himself. Yeah, I, I was watching the game live, and he immediately was like, it's, it's my pack. You could see him saying I to the trainer it. on the way off that he's, he hurt his pack. Uh, so if, that 1-0 doesn't feel the same because they just lost their that best defensive player other than Fitzpatrick. But that 0-1 for Cincinnati, if I'm picking a team that's just sick with the loss, it's backup snapper affecting the game. Your clutch yeah. second-year kicker, 27-yarder, to end it, Evan McPherson, and it's high, it throws his timing off, and he yanks that puppy 30 yards left of the of the upright. That was sickening, if I'm a Cincy fan, watching that game and giving the Steelers some life where I, I don't think they have a lot on offense right now, quite frankly. But Minka Fitzpatrick, if you want to go that down a list of four real. or five just game records on defense, I mean, the guy has a pick six on the sixth play of the game, and he blocks the extra point. That would have tied it. Just amazing that player. pick six is a great play by him. A terrible throw by Burrow. Just can't let that ball go. I mentioned Friday, uh, Mika Fitzpatrick, if the Steelers are going to go on the road and win, he affects this game throughout. He's a player of the game. His stat line, nine tackles, one interception, one touchdown, one blocked extra point. And he was all over the place. The 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 one area offensively that gives you hope for for Pittsburgh is the decision making yesterday by Trubisky and late setting up the game winners in uh, with clocks rolling down, recognizing that they had uh, a free play. Cincinnati player jumps off sides, um, and this was pointed out by Scott Van Pelt uh, last night. He was like, "Look, a, a young quarterback like Pickett probably takes the dump off pass." to the running back who's wide open three yards in front of him as he rolls to the left, takes the dump off and you get seven yards or whatever, or you get tackled and you still tack on the the offsides penalty. Trubisky, though, recognizes that he has a free play and ends up getting more yardage, uh, a chance to run up, spike the football, and you get into field goal range with the play itself instead of having to run another play to do so. So that that's the veteran savvy of him working out for them in week one, whereas we don't know how it would have turned out if Pickett yeah, were the starter. full marks to him. When they got the ball back with very limited time, he made the plays. Uh, he made two plays that got them in position to win the game, and, and he was not all bad in the game. That's that's what I would say about Trubisky. I, I, it wasn't a great performance, well, but he, he did what he needed to do in the game. Meanwhile, I, Pickens did nothing or close to nothing? Um, I just, think he did nothing. Yeah, nothing. Yeah. I will no. confirm here I was, once I see I the stat. The, uh, the, the Bengals, though, they averaged four point eight yards per play, and five turnovers in the game in regulation, and and still should have won. I don't know how you based on Pickens the, on the had one program. one reception for three yards. I don't know how you uh, you get back in position to win that game and should have won that game. Yeah, but for the snapper. Yeah, so that's one they may look back on too. Hit us up with your thoughts at Outkick three hundred and sixty coming up. More results, including what Arthur Smith had to say after their loss to New Orleans in Atlanta, where the Falcons were up 23-10 to with the football entering the fourth quarter. That's next on Outkick 360.
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'll kick three. 60 rolls on. Saints win by one, 27-26 in Atlanta. New Orleans had no business winning that game. Uh, blocked a field goal at the end for a, for a win. It was a long attempt, but blocked the field goal there at a, with a kicker that has the leg. Atlanta was up. We were discussing the Titans up 13 in the first half. Atlanta's up 13 with possession of the ball entering the fourth quarter, and they managed to lose that game. Mariota fumbled inside the five. Uh, yes. Um, and Taysom Hill took over in the second half. It is amazing when everyone knows he's getting the ball, how productive this dude is. Had a great run up the right side. Uh, it's just a 57-yard run on a, a third-down conversion. Um, two plays later, 11-yard touchdown run. You know, he split out wide. He lines up as a traditional tight end. He gets a direct snap. And when he gets the football, he, he makes something happen. He had four runs for 81 yards and a touchdown. And his one catch for two yards came on him from his new position, quote-unquote. But he, he plays everywhere. The Saints had minus two yards passing in, a fir- in the first half against Atlanta. But they had 236 yards passing in the second half. Jameis Winston missed a drive, maybe a, a series. Maybe he didn't. I, every time I, um, I looked up, they were showing him in the tent. And maybe this was just a long Atlanta drive where New Orleans had him on the sideline. But he came back and he... he Fared well considering all the pressure that he's under. They gave up four sacks to the Falcons, and they allowed just 18 sacks all season last year in New Orleans. I have two tight ends on one team that both scored zero points, and they've got a, a quarterback tight end who can. Oh. I, I think you could draft him as a tight end. I think he's a tight end in most leagues Hill? now. Yeah. Yeah, because they. I remember one year in fantasy they did like the the slash, slash. because he was being used in both. And it was towards the end of the season. It may be my claim. Um, Arthur Smith Arthur was after the game. Quote, you guys wrote our obituary back in May. You will continue to write our, our obituary. Who cares? We have 16 more games. That from Arthur Smith. That's a game you got to win, Art. You're up 13 in the fourth. Art's never uh, lashed out at the press as far as I know. Well, that's him being frustrated based on the fact he knows they should have won that game. Yes. And, and, the, and the obituaries were concerning the tanking. That was after the Matt Ryan. It's, also, right, it's right. also him starting to spin into the rest of the season of what he's going to be telling his team. No one thinks you're any good. They buried you back then. They buried you now. We're gonna, it's going to be up to us if we pick up the pieces and move forward. So I, I understand the message he's sending to his team when he says that about the media. Uh, credit to the gotta Falcons. Got to have an enemy, Paul. Got to have an defense, enemy. Defense uh, in the first half, but I don't. I mean, New Orleans. Give uh, New Orleans deserves a ton of credit. I said they don't deserve to win the game. I mean, they figured it out. They made some adjustments. For those who say, "Oh, halftime, you can't really, you don't have enough time to make adjustments," they came back out and threw for 230 yards in the second half. They made adjustments, and they they leave with a week one win, 
Um, and it felt similar. They didn't turn the football over in, uh, the same way, but it felt similar to what Cincinnati was trying to do against Pittsburgh is leave with a win when you have no business doing so. Um, crazy stat on A.J. Brown. So 10 catches on 13 targets for 155 yards, an example of a team that has been running the football well, that made a concerted effort to be more balanced. They still ran it extremely well yesterday against Detroit and then got their player involved. Game plan specific for A.J. Brown. That's the fifth most yards by any player in his team debut in NFL history. He's the first Eagle with 10 or more catches and 155 or more yards in a game since 2014. And I sent you guys a text, I believe around halftime. I said he's the best player on the field in this game. Hands down. Easy. Like, he was great. And did you have the ranking all time for premieres on a team that he ranks in NFL history? Yeah, fifth. Yeah, fifth, fifth best performance all time. He, he was great. I, I was surprised at the imbalance of how the offense passing-wise was all him for the most part. That That's going to get figured out. But A.J. Brown is a guy who plays with a chip on his shoulder to begin with. And it's clear if you read his Twitter feed that he's got he's built an even bigger chip on his shoulder this year in, in Philly. That's good news for Eagles fans. And my pick, and I think you guys may have picked them as well, at least one of you, pick for the division in the NFC East, looks a lot better after one week. Maybe they get some, uh, some, some resistance from the Giants now that they're up and coming. But, uh, man, with the Cowboys situation at quarterback and after the way they looked offensively in that game – Eagles are looking good in that division. X-rays were negative on Mac Jones with his back, but he's getting further tests uh, today as they arrive back in Foxborough after their week-long stay in, in Miami. Trailed 17 nothing at halftime. Yeah, the, the whole let's get down there early and, and prep, that really didn't pay off too well for the Patriots in, in that game. They, no, no even fast start in a loss to point to in that one. There were two you know, big plays that really swung it in Miami's favor. It wasn't much of a game... Like to watch, I'm saying, and it, it, except for the two plays where Miami uh, came through with a, a strip sack and a, a interception return for a touchdown or a fumble return for a touchdown. That was one of them, and uh, had another uh, big play in this with Jalen Waddle in the first half. What would have helped them prep is having offensive coaches coach their offense. Great throw from Tua too on the play to Waddle, uh, yeah. thread the needle and for a touchdown. Hey, Miami may have a running back, Chase Edmonds, seventy percent of the carries in this game and and played well. And Mike McDaniels, the first Dolphins head coach to win his debut since Nick Nick Saban. (laughs) Nick Saban. Headlines across the league next.